You're listening to sermons from Christ the Savior Orthodox Church. We're a small but growing mission of the Orthodox Church in America, currently meeting in Brewer, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for service, but until then, here's Father Scott with this week's sermon. had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters. And he brake the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man, and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled, and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man, out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed with the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the gatherings round about, he sought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed, he sought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Today's Gospel sets before us the deliverance of the man possessed with demons. As we're right on the verge of the American celebration of Halloween, it's a pretty timely passage, I think, for us to get encouragement from and yet at the same time warning. The encouragement, of course, is that Jesus Christ, that the Holy Trinity, has power over everything, including demons, including the devil himself. There is no power greater than God's. Don't ever forget that. 
But the second thing is a warning that we need to get. And that is the warning that we must never take evil for granted. And we must never belittle it. And we must never open the door for it into our hearts, into our lives. Make no mistake, our nation's obsession with Halloween, and I say obsession because there's no time of the year that I think, and you all agree with me, that there's more decorations out than now. I see at the mall they even opened a store up for Halloween. It's probably 10,000 square feet. It's huge. All this to celebrate this ghoulish season. It's a time when the celebrations and displays of ghoulish figures and grotesque spiders, ugly things, depictions of death and darkness, give opportunity for evil to approach your heart. But almost every turn when you drive down the road, there's something there that's going to draw you away from purity, from things that are good, from things that are holy, from things that are God's. We must not, as Christians, as Orthodox Christians, participate in this holiday the way it's celebrated by the world. No ugly displays, no hideous costumes, no satanic displays, no glorification of the ugliness of death. None of these things befit a Christian to participate in. So if you've got a Halloween party scheduled to celebrate these things, cancel it. Don't go. Instead, come to Vespers on Tuesday night. And so uh, Jacob, remind Chris, Chris, that Vespers will be on Tuesday instead of Wednesday this week, okay? Make sure that we do that. So, no celebration. Instead of going up to a masked up gathering, come to Vespers instead. The demons and the devil are real. This passage makes that eminently clear. The Lord himself is dealing with this problem they're real, and they're nothing to laugh about, and they're nothing to take lightly. For they seek to destroy you, your family, those you love, and your civilization and your society. They seek to destroy everything. Look what they did to this poor man in today's gospel. It's a frightening reality that devils are real. Now, angels are real, too. And devils, like angels, are unseen spiritual beings. They're immaterial, in other words. You can't reach out and touch them the way you can touch your mother or your brother or your friend. They're immaterial beings. They operate in the physical world, however. But they're limited by God's power, God's transcendent power. And we see that very clearly today. But despite the fact that they're limited... For reasons that we don't have time to go into today, they're multitudes and they're deep. God allows the devil and the demons to be active for a time, for a season, until the time when they're bound forever. The second coming of Christ and the end of things the way we know them. But in the meantime, they act against you, against your spiritual life, against your conversion, against your salvation, against everything that's God's. Everything that God desires for you, they oppose. And most of all, they seek to destroy you, both now and in the age to come. Now this man today, we see that he had devils in the first verse of our gospel for a long time. 
And at the end of the passage, he said, he that was possessed was released. What is demon possession? And I, I've got the definition, and I want you to listen to it very carefully. Possession by demons, by the devil, is in its essence a state where a man loses his own personal consciousness and instead becomes enslaved to the reason, the intellect of a demon or demons, which take full control of his body and also the powers of his soul, resulting in an indescribable suffering which is initiated and inflicted by the man's own action who's possessed. That's what possession is. It's a very serious state to be in. Now, possession can only fully happen to someone who's an unbaptized unbeliever. However, Christians can fall into a similar state. We could call it perhaps oppression, or we could call it, as some fathers have written, infestation of demonic power and influence over your life. If you open the door to the devil, he'll come in. It's like Jesus said. You sweep the house clean, and you leave it there, and the devils will come back seven times, sevenfold. We'll bring back the original one and a few more with them. In other words, in a house where God is not, the demons are going to seek to come in. But for a Christian, there's a limit. In the holy baptism, God, as we read in, this, in the beginning of the exorcism prayers last week, God takes that devil who's out in the lair and makes its lair under your heart, and he chases it out. And so the devil still acts, but he acts now on the outside of you instead of from the inside if you're a Christian. But make no mistake, he's still active. I think every Christian in this room can tell me multiple times that he sees the influence of demonic things on him and evil seeking to corrupt you and to knock you off that place that God set you on high. And so even if we're believers, this message today and this gospel today has meaning for us. He had devils a long time. This man had been plagued. He was in a terrible situation. Now, the gospels, there's three gospel accounts of this. And uh, this one here doesn't mention as clearly as the others that there was two. The fathers say that the reason why one's concentrated on this is because he was by far the worst as far as outward appearance goes. He had a reputation in the air as being demonically possessed. Well, this man was living with devils for a long time. Had a terrible battle. He was on the losing end of it. He was chained. His reason was bound by the devils that were within. Influence him. How are they within, you might say, Father? Do they physically come in? The devils are intellectual powers, right? They have reason. They understand you. They watch you. They don't die. So they've been around a long time. They've learned a lot about people and about the world, right? And so they seek to infiltrate you in your mental capacities, in your reason, and in the depths beyond your mental brain power in your soul and influence you and take control of your direct, your actions. This man had been in that state for a long time, the scripture says. He wore no clothes. He didn't abide in a house. Nothing that civilized people have done for centuries and centuries and millennia did he do. He was totally outside normal life. Alone in the tombs, it says. Why the tombs? The demons are cunning. 
And they seek to associate death and the power over death with themselves. They seek to have us believe that man can die and come back as an evil spirit and trouble people, ghosts of the past. Isn't there a Christmas play about that? And the men come back and they're like ghosts and inhabit the house. That was Jacob Marley. Well, as we heard last week, people don't get the souls of men that are departed and women that are departed don't come back. They're captive, right? Some in Abraham's bosom and some not. And so, the devils nonetheless seek to delude you and to terrorize you and associate evil spirits on the acts that are done with men instead of with themselves. Well, this man, when he saw Jesus, cried out. And he fell down. With a loud voice, he cried out, What have I to do with thee, O Son of God? The men that were in that area were watching over the demoniac and herding their pigs didn't recognize Jesus as the Son of God, but the devils do. You see, they, they know what's going on. They know what God's judgment is that is eventually upon them. And that they'll be taken somewhere to a place that they don't want to go. And so they're afraid of that. Interesting though, they don't stop doing their evil even though they know what's ahead. I wonder if that's like us a little bit. Because we're under the same influence if we listen to them. We think too, we push aside too, the idea that there's judgment. And we enjoy, as was worried about the time of Moses, the pleasures of sin for a season. Instead, serving the holy God. They cried out, don't torment us. Don't torment me, they spoke. But Jesus commanded them to come out. And in doing so, asked their name. Not for his own sake, he knew what their name was. But he wanted those around to hear and they called out legion, because many devils were there. One demon in your life's enough. One demon propagating one sin is enough. But we can't be deluded into thinking that one sin is all that's going to happen when we sin. When we choose to sin, sin is like a slippery slope, isn't it? We hear that analogy used so often, that when we sin once... It's easier to do it the second time. And the fathers teach it that leads to captivity. If we let the first thought in and we act on it, it becomes a sin. And that sin then compounds itself over and over because the pleasures of sin are tempting for the moment. Legion were there. Just like Christ said, sweep the house out. If you're not careful, seven demons will come back in. We'll seek to take its place. But I think when we look at demons and their activity in this world, we shouldn't be deluded about the fact that not all people that are under the influence of demons are so obviously demonic. And yet, the power of demons over some that don't appear to be demonically possessed is worse than it is in this man's case. For what did he actually do to hurt people? He hurt himself, mostly. And of course, I guess they had to bind him up at times. And that was an uncomfortable experience, perhaps. Like a policeman trying to arrest a 300-pound weightlifter that doesn't want to come into the car. But nonetheless, there's plenty of other instances of people that are under demonic control that don't appear so ugly, so out of sorts with civilization as this man did. I think of this gruesome shooting in Maine this week where we lost 18 of our citizens and I think 13 were wounded. The man who committed that crime said he heard voices. Demonic possession? Perhaps. And there's those that 
suffer the society to experience their delusions of false ideologies. Think of the last century and the isms, communism, right? Nazism. All these isms that come out. The devil uses them in the guise of sometimes people that are very respectable and become very powerful in this world. The opposite of pariahs, they're the ones that everybody wants to chase after, right? Perhaps they're the great musicians that everybody idolizes their music, and yet they're experimenting with drugs, with evil, with satanic practices and all that, yet we still follow after them. There's false teachers. There's everyone that's under the influence of the devil at one moment or another. The demons are seeking to oppress us or to possess us. You know, in another account, I think it's the book of Mark, Mark speaks about how this demoniac cut himself. Self-mutilation. Again, the devil seeks to destroy us, right? He wants you to commit suicide. He wants you to mutilate yourself. He wants you to tattoo your face. He wants you to cut your ears off. He wants you to put rings in your nose. He wants you to cut your toes off. He wants you to do all kinds of strange, odd things that are normal. To, normal to him, but not abnormal to God and against God. All these things. I think one of the great sins of the transgender movement is this idea that you can mutilate God's body. And he gave you. It's the antithesis of God. The demons are whispering these kind of things into the ears of those that don't have Christ. Well, the Lord sends these demons out of the man. He casts them out, showing his great power. Like I said, we can take encouragement from this. We shouldn't sit there in abject fear of the devil because God is greater than he is. Jesus casts them out. But in casting them out, they sought to be in a body. There's something about the Father's right about the flesh of man that the demons like, they covet. And so, rather than being a man, they said the next best thing is to be in a pig, which is the animal that nobody wants to be associated with if they're holy in those days, in the days of the Jews. So they go into the pigs. Jesus limits them to where they can go. He controls them to a point. He allows them to act, yes. He allows them to survive, to, to trouble us, as it were, to test us, but to strengthen us also, as with Job. But at the end, he shows that he has power over them. It's interesting, too, when he allows them to go that he allows them to go in such a way that it's clear to everyone, to the ones that have been delivered from the demons, as well as those that heard the pigs and everybody else who heard about the story, that when devils do something, it's destructive. The scene that follows is an incredible scene. The devils cast out of the man. They enter into the swine. And it says there's a steep place there, like a cliff. And it says in another account there was 2,000 of these swine. Can you imagine this scene? What an incredible scene. What a fearful scene of 2,000 crazed pigs plunging off a cliff into the water to destroy themselves. It's a scary thought to even imagine watching this. You can understand why the people that saw this were afraid. It was a tremendous scene of demonic destruction. It was an awful scene. It was chaos. It was death. It's what the demons desire. Don't ever be deluded. The demons seek to destroy you. And they'll do it however they can. And they just seek to destroy societies. And they'll bring men that look good, but that are empowered by the demons 
to do evil. And so it was chaos, death. The devil does nothing good. Nothing good. And yet, when this man's delivered, the ones that heard of the swine told Jesus to leave town. You know, there's times in life when you have to make a choice. When God shows himself, sometimes you've got to give something up. God reveals himself and says to you, perhaps, you can't herd swine anymore if you're a Jew. You make a decision. Maybe I'm going to keep herding swine because that's where I make my money. Or I'm going to follow Jesus. wonder what our thing is that Jesus puts his finger on and says, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to be a Christian. And instead, I choose idiotically, crazily, insanity. I choose the way that I just came out of that leads to destruction again. Like the, pig re- the, the dog returning to his vomit. How crazy we can be. These that saw that were like that. They saw this man clothed and in his right mind and realized he'd been delivered by Jesus. That's a, that's a, that's a power that eluded them. It says in the accounts of this that it took men to bind him. They couldn't bind him. He was crazed. He was powerful. It was beyond human effort and strength to bind him. And yet Jesus just speaks. And demons enough to power 2,000 pigs off a cliff. Heals his man. What great power. Yet they chose to go back to being pigmen, to living in the mud with their pigs. That's us sometimes. Such a sad, sad story. But the end of this is a good story. The end of the story is this man who shows he wants to be with Jesus. He desired to be with Jesus when everybody else was saying, Jesus, get out of town. He realized how great God's salvation was. And that it was God himself who delivered him. That he cast the demons out. And he desired to be with Jesus. That's where we should be. We should desire. Our heart should pant like a deer for the brook of the water. To be with the living God who has all power over everything. Over thousands of demons, legions, a legion of demons. He cast them out with his mere word. How great God's power is. And how great his peace is. And how great his life-changing power in your life can be. This man, who minutes before was clothed in nothing, lived in the tombs, it terrorized men, it terrorized himself, it cut himself, it mutilated himself, it was totally upside down, humanly speaking and divinely speaking was converted, and God sent him out to be a missionary. It's, it's almost mind-defying, thought-defying, reason-defying. He sends him back to the city. And imagine when people saw him coming down the street, they probably ran for cover, fearing him. I imagine he was pretty good size. Instead, he came to him bearing words of life. None, and from the Holy Trinity, cleaned his life up and changed him. Well, you know, his change is amazing. We should fear demons, yes, but we should fear God first and foremost. For God is the one that holds power over everything. And in the end, God will put the demons where they belong. In the eternal fires of hell, it says in Revelation. The victory is the Lord's. Whose side are we going to be on? We need to guard ourselves, my brothers and sisters. The Orthodox term for this is watchfulness. The Lord says, 
through his fathers, the holy fathers, and through the scripture, that we need to watch. We need to put off the devil. We need to put on the new man. We need to guard our thoughts so that our thoughts don't come in from the devil and then change our life for the worse. And that, that watchfulness starts with thoughts. It's really kind of getting too late when we watch our actions go downhill. Give no place to the devil. Fear God. Love him. Don't celebrate the world's Halloween. All Souls Day is after Pentecost, right? Three weeks after Pentecost, right? That's a good time to celebrate all the saints, all hallows, all the holy ones. But we don't need to celebrate the way the world celebrates, and we need to understand that the devil seeks to destroy us, but that God is greater. God has the power. God will get the victory. That God wants victory in our lives. He wants to send us forth like the death of Mahayana, cleaned up and ready to do service to his kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can listen to more sermons and learn more about us by visiting our website at orthodoxmaine.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God be with you.